G'day mate, Forty here. So on my show yesterday, Elliot Blatt stopped by. He talked about how he can't just be bothered with anything in the news these days. Nothing that happens in the news, nothing that we're supposed to care about can he muster any care about. So he had that uh, subway shooter, a terrorist in New York, and uh, Elliot found he just didn't care. We've got the Ukraine war. Elliot finds he just doesn't care that uh, all the conventional news items that uh, used to hold our collective attention no longer hold any attention. And I notice this with a lot of people. They just don't care about politics. They don't care about the news. They don't care about the national project. They don't care about anything. So what the heck is going on? And I think it's all related. People are disconnected from other people, right? We've uh, socially isolated during the pandemic, and even before the pandemic, in, in many ways, we were becoming more and more isolated, like fewer people are getting married and uh, having kids and uh, forming stable communities and uh, volunteering, and so people are just checking out. So there was a comment on a January David Brooks column in the New York Times and uh, the commentator wrote of having checked out about National Project in response to feeling that society had already done the same and had withdrawn into just minding my own family. So I think this is pretty widespread and a terrific article here in Time Magazine. It's called The Apathy Crisis, why we find it hard to, to care about anything. And it is a crisis. Like if you don't care about anything, that means that something is wrong, right? It's a it's a it's a blaring signal that uh, something is wrong. That it's it's time to reassess how you look at life, how you do things. It's a uh, it's a flashing. At best, it's a flashing yellow light. This <laughs> thing. Pause, caution. Uh, something, something's gone off track here. All right, happy people are engaged people. People who are engaged with the world tend to be happy people. Right? If if you don't give a damn about what's going on in the world, not not a good sign. So in the New York New Yorker a few weeks ago. There was a cartoon that had the heading weird feeling. And there are three figures thinking about the stuff that used to fill their brains. Things that once mattered don't matter. Runs the words over their heads, at least not in the way they did before. So if you feel like things don't matter, it's because you've lost connection with other people. When you're connected with other people, things matter. Things are exciting. It's like the difference between watching a movie on your own and watching a movie in a theater filled with people. So... Three years ago, people cared about going to a new restaurant, to performances, to art galleries, to all sorts of activities that mean you're crowded together with other people. But now, looking back at that time, it can feel like a completely alternate dimension. So this kind of social interaction has just not been a part of the life of millions of people right, for the last two years. You collect some debts or what? Yeah, I'm uh, about to go out with my cricket bat and collect some debts. 
But this is this is a uh, a good uh, good cartoon of the New Yorker. Things that once mattered don't matter. Yeah, it's like everything that's happening now is going to have to have an asterisk after it. So, according to a Pew survey, Americans are shrugging at the country's most pressing problems. Right? What issues should be priorities for Congress and for the White House in the coming year? Highest rate of concern, strengthening the economy, still didn't draw that much interest. And there's a global report released in January from Oxford and Reuters found U.S. online news consumption fell significantly between late 2020 and late 2021. Well, I think Part of this is that Donald Trump is no longer in power. So Donald Trump has been a tremendous source of energy, both for people who love him and for people who hate him. Or for people, <laughs> it's hard to be just completely apathetic to Donald Trump. It's uh, very easy to be apathetic towards Joe Biden. So we had the arrival of the Omicron variant at the end of 2021. We had a high-speed spike in cases, but uh, didn't cause didn't cause much interest in pandemic headlines. The Olympics, no chance, right? People are less excited about the Winter Olympics this time around than the last Winter Games. Most people could not even name one athlete competing. And uh, more people are taking a nihilistic approach to their health. So smoking cigarettes is cool again. So if you just don't care, all right, the, many of the, the safeguards that uh, used to keep us on the right track are falling away. So, why should he care for anything that isn't his place? Doesn't he, he live in, in California? Well, it's a pretty vivid story. Uh, a subway shooter shooting 23 people. I'm not saying he should care. I'm saying that uh, overall lack of care about the national project, about anything at all, is a really bad sign. Right? If you don't find you care about almost anything outside yourself, it's not a good sign. It means that you're disconnected and therefore unhappy. And therefore, you're not going to make good choices. Like, you, you lack the fuel to, to, to build a life. So in the early days of the pandemic, you know, we, we shared an excitement and a strife and we, you know, we may have appreciated the frontline workers, uh, but uh, all the things that we used to do in those early days of the, the pandemic, such as banging on pans and, and, you know, signaling that we're in it together, just sounds so exhausting. So why do we feel exhausted? So Elliot talked about not caring about anything and feeling exhausted all the time. Those two go together, right? The symptoms of the same thing, disconnection from other people. There's no sustainable, smooth energy without connection with other people. Our primary source of energy is not the food we eat. It's not getting sunshine. It's not taking modafinil. It's being connected with other people in community. So John Smith notes America isn't a nation. Yeah, but there are dozens of sub-communities, subgroups, cultures within the nation that you can strongly identify with and participate in. So, 
we all have our problems to think about and the other problems like climate change or political battles and war they're just so big so what's even the point yeah john smith says i, I picked up smoking lately too yeah there's a there's a nihilism that, that takes over when people just don't care very much, right? The things that may have once driven you to action, right? Just aren't doing the trick anymore, right? We, we're, we're in a collective burnout, a collective uh, languishing, a collective apathy, a collective indifference, a collective the great whatever seems to be the dominant vibe. And yeah, it's good if you care for your family and your friends and your community, but if you feel completely checked out from anything beyond that, probably not so good, right? If, especially if it's combined with other symptoms such as lack of energy, all right? Energy comes from creating a shared reality with other people, having rhythmic engagement, right? Rhythmic entrainment where you're, where you're creating something in, in synchrony. So right now, I am more energized doing this live stream, having a conversation with John Smith. If John Smith wasn't here and no one was chatting away and I was just talking into a void, I wouldn't have as much energy. So I had a great conversation with Elliot yesterday on the show. I think it was, it was our best show ever, right? Those 30 minutes or so he was on the show, it was like the funniest, it was just the, the best material we've ever done. And out of that connection, out of that shared reality that we built, I, I got a sense of energy. And if I didn't have a sense of energy, and if I you know, didn't give a damn, I, I wouldn't be making this video. But because I've got the energy to make this video, here we go. People who run New York City hate people like you and Elliot. I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Now, they, they certainly don't share our politics or our cultural and social views. But there are probably areas where we have common ground and then other areas where, where we don't. They want to replace you with Hondurans and El Salvadorans. They think you're evil. No, I, I think you're, you're exaggerating. So, for example, the, the number of white people in California has not changed significantly in the last 60 years. They've simply been supplemented by... Mexicans and, and Central Americans, but they haven't been replaced. So some people have gotten tuned in due to the events in Ukraine, right? So some people start paying attention. But what does it mean to care? And what does it mean to not care about, say, the national project and, and the news? So the space between caring and taking care of people is a small one. So without caring in the first place, it's hard to do anything to take care of others, right? Usually first you have to care and then you do something. So I've devoted much of my life to Orthodox Judaism since age 27. Therefore, I care a great deal about Orthodox Judaism. I sacrificed a great deal to convert to Orthodox Judaism. Therefore, because I sacrifice so much, therefore I care so much about Orthodox Judaism. So, happy people are generally the people who are engaged with the world. People who are disengaged with the world are generally unhappy people. It's not evolutionarily adaptive. It's not psychologically adaptive to be disengaged from the world. So, sad people 
and generally filled with self-consciousness, self-awareness, self-focus, right? A negative affect, uh, filled with bad feelings. And that makes you less likely to get up and do something. And even the motivation that comes from a negative feeling like righteous anger usually only works if it hits a basically happy person, right? A surge of righteous anger is not motivating for an unhappy person, right? So if you're happy, you'll tend to feel more energized. Your energy levels essentially correlate with your happiness levels. I, I feel like I can get a good read on someone just by listening to, the, to their voice within a few seconds. I can, I can sense how happy they are, how energized they are, how connected they are, how much recovery they might have. Right? People who are happier are more concerned with more things. They're more engaged with the world, and they're more likely to take action. And when you take action, you then connect with other people and get more energy and more happiness. So this lack of engagement in the world and with the news is a symptom of a deeper underlying unhappiness. I remember I went into therapy one day and I said, oh, when I go to synagogue, I feel like nobody cares about me. And my therapist had a great response. What, do you care about anyone there? I was like, oh, yeah. And uh, it reminded me that if it is to be, it's up to me. And that helped push me to greater engagement with my Orthodox Jewish community. So if you feel like nobody cares about me, then why would you care about anyone else? Why would you care about the climate? Right? If you feel like nobody cares about you, you're going to feel depleted, lacking energy, and so turning inward is natural. Like It feels like a waste to spend your limited energy and concern on a world that has turned its back on you. Also, as more and more people are working from home, the isolation of the pandemic means that we're losing out on a lot of everyday interactions that used to replenish us. Like even a 30-second chat with a barista you know, helps you to feel more connected to people around you. Right? Without these little doses of connection, we're, we're suffering from resilience fatigue and collective exhaustion. And John says, I heard your anecdote about your therapist before. It's left quite the impression on me. Yeah, <laughs> it left quite an impression on me too. Any vitamins, supplements, or Torah portions you recommend for diminished energy levels? Well, the number one thing is to get on the same page with people. So you say, I don't want to talk to my, my co-workers from India. Well, do you have anything in common with them? Uh, do you have any similar interests? Like, do you care about cricket? Uh, do you, like, are there Indian films? Like, there's some really good uh, Indian films and uh, TV series that are on Amazon, uh, Indian culture, uh, like religion in India. India is an absolutely fascinating area. And these people can be quite funny and very good company, but you might need to make an effort. Need vitamin supplements or Torah portions you recommend for diminished energy? Yeah, so the number one thing for energy is to create a, some sort of shared reality with other people. So see if you can get on the same page with other people. So even a 15-second chat in an elevator with a stranger is going to make you feel more energized. Uh, when you're at the park, you know, go to a dog park. 
even if you don't own a dog and you know pay attention to the dogs and and they'll help you connect with the owners so I, I went to a dog park the other day and uh, had all these wonderful connections like with people who I'd otherwise just like walk by wouldn't wouldn't pay any attention to but I learned the names of people I learned the names of their dogs learned what people do uh, a dog park is a great way to connect and then I, I like uh, modafinil for energy and I like my uh, beef organ supplements and I have also found alkaline water has helped somewhat with energy levels and uh, getting some sunshine getting enough sleep but the main thing is connection with other people there's no lasting smooth energy without getting on the same page with other people getting into a rhythm with other people creating a shared reality with other people and out of that bond that you build with other people comes a shared ethic and the more intense the interaction the stronger the bond so go to a yoga class like go to some kind of physically demanding activity go to a meetup group go to you know a hike uh, go to a concert like the more intense the activity the more energy you'll get from it and the tighter and quicker the bond that you'll form with other people you said i can't connect with my indian co-workers because they were brought here to suppress native wages that that's macro right you can still connect with them on a micro level even if you disagree with national immigration policy and even if you hate dogs right if you recognize that you're better off like bonding with other people, creating connections with other people, feeling a need to get energized from other people, then uh, you may need to get over your, your phobia and, and expand your empathy. Stories of desperation are emerging in Shanghai as the city enters its third day of strict lockdown with widespread reports of residents being unable to access food and medicine. Yeah, the, the Chinese COVID vaccines don't work nearly as well as the ones in America and England and Australia. So ch Chinese vaccines are virtually useless against Omicron. While the American vaccines, vaccines are moderately effective. John says, I like the parasocial relationship you and I have. I am content. Bro, there is so much energy from real-life relationships. Like, this cannot touch what you get from real-life face-to-face interaction. There is no substitute for real-life face-to-face interaction. And if you have, like, a good real-life face-to-face interaction, I went for a long walk with a friend yesterday, that replenishes me for days afterwards, and it informs... It informs me for days afterwards, even when I'm on my own, like I'm reading a book, I'm thinking about, oh, I want to talk to my friend about this book. Or when I have an awkward interaction, it's like, oh, I want to talk to my friend about this interaction. Or, or I have a thought about you know, this issue with regard to health or this issue with regard to women. I, I think in relation to that friendship and to spending time with that friend, right? our friends are, are with us even when we're all alone, even when you're surrounded by four walls and you're all alone, you're still thinking in connection with your friends. Like when I read a book, it's because I want to share it with, with my friends. That, that's a major part of the motivation for reading and understanding and digesting a book. Getting my comments read out on YouTube gets me high, high enough. I find most people don't share my interest in HBD, alt-right personalities, crime statistics, and Torah. <laughs> 
right? So expand, expand your, your interest. You don't have to limit yourself just to those topics. So in fact, it probably serve you not to, not to go into those topics uh, until you've got a very well-established uh, friendship with somebody. So, our pandemic isolation builds on top of a lonely foundation that, that's been growing in America for decades. As we become more diverse, that means we have less in common. We're less connected. Often, we're surrounded by people who don't speak English very well. And it's hard to form bonds with people who don't speak your language. So, we've got higher and higher percentage of students and, and just regular Americans who are suffering from deep depression, deep isolation, deep alienation, right? All these things go together. So our culture, individualistic and cold, is increasingly out of sync with our nature, which is emotional and warm. So Americans, compared to Australians and, and the English and, and Europeans in general, are much warmer, much more outgoing, much more wearing feelings on the sleeve. So... Are we going to resign ourselves to a life of increasingly contactless encounters in which we become ever more isolated and lonely, or are we going to commit to reconnect? So, how do we avoid isolation? Right, you can connect with your barista. You can participate in, in meetup groups. Right, just put, a, put an interest that you have hiking or uh, you're a seeker. Uh, spiritual seeker or yoga just put that into a meetup meetup.com and find out what groups are going on totalitarianism bases itself on loneliness wrote henna arendt in the origins of totalitarianism on the experience of not belonging to the world at all People tend to respond to community norms. So if other people around you act with care for people outside, they're in a circle, so will you. And once you start to care, then it gets easier to keep doing so. So if you make yourself feel good for a moment, <clears throat> that can lead to you having more energy. And that leads you to talking to more people and then going for a run and doing things that cause more positive emotions. So this is an upward spiral that builds on itself. So when we feel good, we have more energy, we have more interest in other things and other people. We engage more in activities, which leads to more happiness, more action, and ever more energy. So another good article here in Time about here are four ways that the pandemic has changed how we see ourselves. So I just uh, subscribed to Apple Plus, so $10 a month and gives you access to about 300 different publications. It's like getting three, you know, 300 subscriptions for, for $10 a month. So this is where I found these articles. So our self is a social product, right? There's no true self. Who I am is different when I talk to you than when I talk to uh, my friend Yitzi at Shul or my friend you know, Josh at Shul or my friend Daniel at Shul. All right, I am different depending on where I am, who I'm talking to, who I'm connected with. Yeah, this is this is an honor of sticks and hammer. Put on a leather jacket, good old sticks. 
right? So there's no true self. Who we are depends on who we're talking to. Like I'm different when I talk to Ricardo than when I talk to Elliot than, than when I talk to, to Daniel or to Richard or to Kevin or to R Ralph or to uh, Millennial Woes, right? We develop our identity based on how we think other people see us, right? And then we also try to influence their perceptions of us so that they see us in the way that we'd like to be seen. So we understand, we understand ourselves based on social feedback. Like if everyone was telling me, oh, Luke, you look really tired. Luke, there's something about you. You've just lost energy. Luke, you just seem really apathetic. Uh, Luke, you shouldn't be live streaming right now. You should just go back to bed. Uh, Luke, maybe you should take a break from doing this. You really suck. All right. <laughs> that would have some effect on me. But because you know, we're engaged in this stimulating conversation, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting energized, I'm getting happy, and uh, I'm having a great time. Meetup groups don't accept single men. That's not true. Because tons of desperate men flood them to get laid. It depends on how you conduct yourself. The days have melted into weeks in China's most cosmopolitan city. Residents have struggled for days to make sure they have enough food to get through the, to the weekend. Yeah, so apparently the Chinese don't keep on hand as much processed food as Americans. The Chinese really want fresh food. And so they're in trouble because their access to fresh food has been severely diminished. It's a little bit like when Starbucks opened up in Israel. It flopped because Israelis are used to really fresh food. And so they weren't, they weren't willing to, to settle for these, you know, days-old sandwiches at Starbucks. Luke joined the California syndicate of the Yakuza Mafia. Luke, Luke, drilling a hole in the didgeridoo won't make a difference. It's accepted knowledge now that meetup groups are a no-go. Depends on the meetup group, right? Meetup groups aren't all the same. So... Depends, you know, which one you go to. If if one doesn't work, then you can try another. I mean, yeah, if you go to meetup groups, and you put in the, you're looking for women to give you a BJ, uh, that may not be an approach that works. Okay, so during lockdown, our identities became less stable because we all rely to some degree on other people telling us who we are. Now, we can rely 100% on that, or we can rely 50% on that. But none of us rely, you know, 0% on other people telling us who we are. So the more narcissistically inclined, the more we rely on other people telling us who we are. So it's been largely a part of my character over the course of my life, an excessive dependence on other people telling me who I am. But now I'm 55, I'm older, a little wiser, I can still do a video and have everyone in the chat tell me that I'm wrong and I can keep going because I'm not 100% dependent on other people telling me who I am. Maybe it, it affects 20% of me. So in crisis, our self-concept gets challenged, right? We, we lost the ability to get that feedback from other people to tell us who we are. So people who, who feel like they know who they are, who are getting that, that feedback,
tend to have lower rates of depression and personality disorders. So, after the, the, the initial stress of, of the lockdowns, we, we tended to return to our pre-lockdown sense of self, but it's taken a while, right? There's a concept called emotional inertia. So emotional states are resistant to change and they take some time to return to a baseline level. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we, we questioned you know, what do we truly believe about ourselves? But then we've started to adjust to the new world, but, but not completely. So during the pandemic, we've been forced to adapt to new social roles and how comfortable we are with our new social role, right? That's going to depend on, for example, how important that role is to us. So our identity is not fixed, right? I have an identity at one synagogue that's different from an identity at another synagogue, which is different from a, an identity at one 12-step meeting, which is different from the, my identity at another 12-step meeting, which is different from my identity at yoga class, which is d different from my identity with Alexander Technique teachers, all right? So our identity is not fixed. We always hold different social roles within our family, our work, our, our friends, our groups, they change from time to time, but many of our social roles over the past two years have had to involuntarily change. So as we experience these losses, we start feeling inauthentic. We start feeling disconnected from our true self. But this, this social role interruption affects people's authenticity only to the extent that the role is important to you. So. If being a musician is central to your identity, right, you may feel inauthentic playing virtual shows on, on YouTube. But if your job in an office, being a leader of men, is not a big part of who you are, then you may not be as affected. But uh, how much has your changing role in life uh, affected your happiness level? So get more comfortable in our new identities, we can start accepting reality, start accepting our new sense of self if uh, getting back to who we once were is impossible. So like you can incorporate you know virtual work, virtual interactions as part of your new identity. Not as good as face-to-face -face interactions, never will be. Uh, many people have made voluntary role changes. A lot of people have moved out of cities because when you live in a city, your living room is usually the local coffee house, right? Pe housing prices are so expensive in major cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York. People don't tend to entertain much at home. They tend to live in very small places and then do their socializing outside the home. But being locked at home during the pandemic has made many people realize, hey, I need a bigger bigger place to live and need you know a higher quality of life so when you adapt to a new identity your sense of authenticity gets restored so esoteric says yeah thanks to all those rich people moving out of the cities I can't find a house or condo to buy in my state of Connecticut I wish they would have something to force them back along with all the three hundred dollars to $500,000 salary tech jobs that can now move anywhere across the country. So yeah, there have been a lot of positive changes out of this 
this uh, pandemic, we, we're learning to do things more, more efficiently. So as our identities change, we're going to feel happier the more authentically we present ourselves both online and offline. Right? People have a perception of a true self, even though there isn't a true self. We, it's like if you study calculus, like we can... You can have a perception of getting closer and closer to, to the limit of, of our true self. So people feel most inauthentic when they're performing to others in a way that is inconsistent with how they think and feel internally, which often happens on social media. Did I watch Jon Stewart's show on Whitey? No, I didn't. It just seems way too depressing. <laughs> I mean, he has said some you know, edgy and interesting and funny things over the years, but this show is not one of them. Okay, in isolation, we don't get the same access to social feedback as we used to. So some people have become increasingly dependent on social media for their social well-being. And the more time you spend on social media, the more inauthentic you feel. Because social media usually takes a lot of impression man management and so people are heavily editing themselves on these platforms. So think about how much you are heavily editing what you say right now to, to create a better impression at synagogue or at work. So the initial lockdowns required us to self-regulate meaning to calm ourselves without being able to get that face-to-face -face social feedback that used to calm us and regulate us. And we had to learn to adhere to new social norms. And now we're experiencing more changes that require another self-regulation effort to understand what's happening. We're not going to always be able to get back to our previous lives. We have to negotiate a new kind of reality. So for many of us, we are no longer the same people after this crisis. So when you accept reality, accept the things you cannot change, it's easier to reconcile with who we are now and who we want to become. Bye-bye.